0: Welcome this evening, my name is Jeff, I am the pastor at Echo Lake, and I am so glad that you are here on this Christmas Eve. Yes, thank you, I appreciate the enthusiasm, I like that, little Pentecostal over there. We're so glad you are here this evening to celebrate Christmas. I hope you little ones, you got Christmas bags when you came in, filled with all kinds of goodies, uh, including those cool glasses that make lights look like stuff. Uh, Also, I hope you guys got some candles because we like to do a tradition here at Echo Lake that during the silent night, we light up the candles together that represent uh, the light of Christ. If you didn't, you can run back there and they'll get you some, uh, or if you can uh, make eyes with Sharon in the back, I'm sure she'll sneak you some for a small fee. But before we get all to that, uh, I want to share a message with you tonight, uh, a message I believe that the Lord has for each and every one of us who wants to hear. Uh, And it goes along with this video that I chose, even though it was funny, Uh, everybody in this video was searching for something. And tonight in our passage that we're going to talk about, we're going to look at a few guys, several guys maybe, who were searching for something. We're going to talk about the Magi this evening. Let me read it for you. I'm going to have it on the screen in Matthew chapter 2. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Now when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of all the people, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, For so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, and by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and he ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over a place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshipped him, and then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold. And frankincense, and of myrrh. This is the word of the Lord. So whether you grew up in church or not, we all grew up learning about the wise men. We've sent, sing song about them. We have them in our nativity sets. We see little memes and jokes about them. That if it was the three wise women, they would have brought diapers and wipes. But there's some things we may not realize about these wise men. Like in the song, We Three Kings, you may not know that they weren't kings. They were what called magi. The Greek word for magi described these highly respected yet pagan men who interpreted dreams. Uh, And they were magicians. Not like the kind where they pull a rabbit out of the hat. But they were kind who deeply believed in magic. They were steeped in it. They were astrologers. They believed they could study the stars and predict the future. Wise men. Pagan wise men. Also, there wasn't three of them. I'm not sure whether we got this tradition. Well, there could be three of them, but there could have been four. There could have been five. There could have been 16. We don't know. I think we got three of them because... Uh, three gifts, so we figure one wise man for each gift, but you know they had camels, so they could carry more on there. Actually, early Christian traditions had as many as 12. So go back to your nativity at home and add about nine more, get like Legos or little people, it's okay. Also, they most likely did not arrive on the night that Jesus was born. Someone told me, do you realize you have your, your, your wise men out around the corner of the building, not near the nativity set? I'm like, yeah, we're just being accurate here. The Greek word here uh, for child means a child of older age, not like a baby. And so when the, the Magi got there, the baby was probably six months, Jesus was maybe a year, as most two years old. For, we know this for this and a few other reasons which I won't go into. So when you get home tonight and you add those other nine uh, Magi to your set, make sure you take them and move them all the way across the room so you're biblically accurate, so you don't get coal in your stocking. There, the next time you guys play Bible trivia, a few little tidbits for you so you can sound smart. Now, the one thing we do get right about them is that they were searching for something. They were searching for something. And that is something that every one of you in here has in common with the Magi. You are searching for something. Now, your search may not take the form of astrology, and I sure hope it doesn't, but in all my years of pastoring, I have found, whether people are religious or not, They're searching for something. They're searching for something more. It could come in the form of unanswered questions. You listen to some of you, your high school and college professors, and they explain that life evolved out of nothing, that nothing plus nobody equals everything, that we came from nothing, that we're going to nothing. We die, and that's the end, that life ultimately has no meaning beyond that. But we know that there's something more, It doesn't explain everything. The world's wisdom falls short, and so we're searching. Some of you, you may be searching for hope. Between this pandemic and these politics, hope can feel bleak at times. And so we're worried about our country. We're worried about our politics. We're worried about our direction. Some of you with the pandemic, you're worried about your health. You are gripped by fear. You're searching for hope. Some of you, you're searching for peace. Parts of your life feel like they're falling apart. Your family, your work situation, your marriage, just your life in general, you feel like you're always a mess. You're searching for peace. Some of you, you're searching for redemption. You have messed up so many things in your life. Where you thought you would be and where you are now are completely two different places. You feel like you've blown it. So you're searching for redemption. Some of you, you're searching for love. You're searching for a place to belong, to have meaning in your life, to have purpose. St. Augustine, he said that our hearts are restless with all of this searching because we're looking for God. Have you ever considered that? All the questions that you ask about life, there's a reason for it, that God has placed them there. In fact, a philosopher, his name was Pascal He said we had a God-shaped vacuum. C.S. Lewis rephrased this and said we had a a God-shaped hole inside of us. All our unanswered questions that are in our lives are meant to be filled by God. The love, the security, the significance that we all search for is God. It's found in God, given in his son Jesus. Tonight, I believe as much as I stand here, That you may not have been led by a star, but you have been led by God to this place. That if you truly ask the Lord if he is there, you will have an opportunity to see the king anew in your life. The one that will end all of your searching. That is my prayer for you tonight. And I want you to know, one thing that I've learned about God is that he will do all that he can beyond forcing you to reveal himself to you. He reveals himself through general revelation, the nature that we see around us. Paul says in Peter, for his invisible attributes, namely his internal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of world in all things that have been made so that man is without excuse. He has given this complex, beautiful world that it is so complex that it demands the existence of a designer. In fact, we're going to talk about this when we start our new series in Genesis on January 9th of how everything got started. So many of us are taught that science and religion have opposed each other. Science can't oppose religion. It's not its job. Its job is just to observe, to see what what is true and not true, and to mark those observations. It's only those who oppose God that use science as a tool and as a weapon. But really, they go together. We're going to explore all these topics and how God's creation, science, and it all works together to show us that there is a designer, that we didn't happen out of nothing. But God also gives us divine revelation. He works in supernatural ways to reveal himself, like the star that he used for the magi that guided them. A star that came out of nowhere, that had not been there. In the same ways I see in our lives as God uses supernaturally, and I hear stories from people in this church, things that I have experienced where God has revealed himself. And that's nice when God does that. When he throws a little extra something-something to help us know that he's there. Like, have you ever wondered in your life, like, man... I would have loved to have be been like the magi. Could, like, if God could just give me a star in the sky, I would be good in the hood. Just give me a big, big, bright one to follow. That's all I need. I got faith for that. Just give me the star. The funny thing is, there were a lot of people who knew about this star, but they didn't all follow it. Let me tell you what the difference was. As these magi, they knew scripture. They had something to base that sign on. There's a, a prophecy that comes all the way back in the book of Numbers that talks about this star. And it's only because they knew the scriptures, they knew and studied about God, that they knew what this star was. So I wonder for some of you, if God has not revealed himself to you, but because you don't know the scriptures, because you are not looking, you've missed it, you don't see it. I tell you, the thing that can bring Jesus to life to you to help you to see him are the scriptures that he divinely has given to us. In fact, Jesus told a group in the Gospels, he says, if you want to know about me, search the scriptures. They were given to tell you about me. So because of God's revelation, the Magi, they found the king, took the scriptures, took the divine revelation, and they found him. And I want you to notice their response In Matthew 2.10, it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Why? Because their search was over. They had found the king. They found the king. They found the one of greatest importance. Knowing the king is what changes everything. It changes your perspective on every area of life. For example, imagine that you inherited $150 million. This is a nice thing to imagine, right? $150 million from some uncle you never knew existed. You, you, you all took one of those DNA tests, and you, you found out you're all related to a whole other group of people you didn't know about, right? And this uncle finds out. He leaves you $150 million and you're on your way to get this money. You get this check, and you get a flat tire. Well, if you didn't have that $150 million, you might be pretty mad about that flat tire. But if you have $150 million, you know, you can get out and you will dance around that flat tire. You're like, I don't care. I will hitch a ride. I will get a Uber. I'll get an Uber. I'll do whatever. I will hop. I will skip. I will jump because I got $150 million coming to me. Because that money has the last word in your situation. In a greater, greater way, if Jesus is who he says he is, he has the last word in every situation. And that is why there is great joy. He has last word in our identity. So many of us are searching for identity and purpose and meaning. I was watching an interview with Kobe Bryant, former Lakers basketball star, and he was saying that the first year he ever played basketball, he didn't score one point. And if you ever watched basketball, which I used to watch all the time before my precious Seattle Sonics got stolen and hijacked to Oklahoma, still bitter. He was an amazing athlete. And it was hard to believe he never scored a point. He said, I didn't score a point my whole first season, and I was so down and so crushed. And he said, until my father sat me down, and he says, Kobe, if you never score another point, I will love you no matter what. No matter what, I'm going to love you. And he said, the moment he realized that his dad loved him no matter what, because he was his dad, and that pressure to perform and to be excellent was taken off, he said, man, I started tearing it up. In the same way, We have so many people speak into our lives. We have so many things speak into our lives that tell us about who we are and who we are not. Sometimes it's from our parents. Sometimes it's from our schools. Sometimes it's from our culture around us. And it defines us. Sometimes not for the good. But when you understand Jesus is king, he gets the last word. It tells us in scripture that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God comes into your life and he adopts you. Like walking into an orphanage and he says, you are becoming a part of my family. You are my son forever. Or you are my daughter forever. No matter how much you mess it up, you don't get it right, you are my child. When you realize this, and I think this is when someone fully finds Christ, this is what they realize, they get joy. Man, God loves me. Not because of me. In spite of my sin, because he is my father. You get joy because he has the last word. And he has the last word, not in your life, just in everything. We see so much suffering in this world and we say, why God, why? If there was a God, this would never happen. And this happened back in the time of Matthew. You know what Herod ended up doing, this king? He ended up killing a bunch of kids, two years old and younger boys. Why? Because he wanted to kill Jesus. And there was this weeping and and, and mothers crying out and other tragedy. And so, so Matthew, when he writes about this, he quotes this passage in Jeremiah where it says that the mothers could not be comforted because back in Jeremiah, the Israelites, which is the Old Testament's all about, it's the people group that God, Jesus was born out of, was taken off into exile by another nation, by the Babylonians, and they were, they were devastated when they saw their children taken from them. And as Jeremiah relives this, and he talks about it, he he. He talks about the pain and the, and the hurt, and then he, he changes gears. He says in this, speaking of a future time in Jeremiah 31, he says that one day your voice will cease its weeping. Your eyes will cease from its tears, for your children shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord. The point is that God has the last word in all situations. As J.R.R. Tolkien, the Lord of the Rings author, wrote about God once that the time will come when he makes all sad things untrue. In this pandemic, person after person will ask me, Where is God in all of this? First, you must realize removing God doesn't fix the problem. If there is no God, if there is no eternity, then that is the last word. There is no hope. This is where atheism falls hollow. It wants to get rid of God, but it can't replace it with anything. Well, this is earth. We just evolved out of something. It doesn't have meaning. We live while we're here, and then we're dead and we're gone. So this is horrible what's happened to these people, but it is what it is. Getting rid of God doesn't help. It just makes it worse. Now, I'm not saying I can explain the ways of God because I can't. Nobody can. But I can tell you that the birth of Jesus shows you That the pain and the suffering of this world is not the last word. Christmas, the Christmas story is the one thing that offers joy and hope amidst all of that pain because Jesus is the last word. Christ is the last word for those of you who are in sin and struggling, He is the last word for those of you who are in fear. He is the last word for those of you in broken marriages. He is the last word of you for you in struggling and pain. He is the last word. And when you realize this, you can sing songs like joy to the world because he is the last word. Because there is hope in every situation. There is a day where he will make all the sad things come untrue. My encouragement tonight for you is to take a closer look at the Lord. There were magi there that day that went to visit Jesus, but there were magi who did not go. If you read it, they belonged to Herod. They knew all the scriptures. They knew of Bethlehem, and yet they did not go. They let the moment pass by. Some of you, you know scriptures you've been to church, you know the religion, but you've left Jesus pass you by. You didn't go all the way. Imagine these magi, if they'd started the journey and they went so far, and then they stopped. I wonder tonight how many of you went so far, but you've stopped. And so you're yet to see the king. My hope is tonight you will make a careful search for the Lord. Some of us don't want to search for the Lord like Herod because we don't want to be replaced as king. That's what Herod's fear was. He goes, there's this prophecy coming. I don't want to be replaced. I don't want someone else to take my place. I'm going to try to kill him. We have little Herods inside of all of us. We want to do what we want to do, and then we invite Jesus to come be a barter of our lives when it suits the way that we want to live. My prayer is tonight that we would all have the humility to say, you know what? Maybe I'm not the best one to be God of my life. Maybe God knows more than I do. Maybe he knows better than I do in my marriage, in my finances, in my career, in my decision making. Maybe he knows better. Maybe I should go and seek out the king. And that is my prayer tonight, that you will seek out the king. This is the only time of all the bad things that I've said of Herod, this will probably be the only time and the last time that I'll ever say, listen to Herod, which I've never thought I'd ever say in a sermon. But he said to the magi, go and make a careful search for the child. I pray tonight you would take that advice, that you would make a careful search for the Lord. It's good advice. You must search beyond traditions, beyond Christmas Eve services, beyond your routines and a careful search of the scriptures for the Lord. As a good example, I want to introduce you if you haven't met her. This is my daughter, Ella. She's playing King Kong with the Little People Christmas set. She's currently eating Santa's wife. It's a little disturbing. We had a scary moment with Ella today. We found her choking, not horribly like horribly choking, but she was starting to, and we fished a piece of tape out of her mouth, a thick piece of tape. And if you've ever been a parent of a kid with something in their mouth, you know that fear. Like, how did she see that? We look at the floors. We're watching the carpet that she sits on. She finds this stuff that we never see. Do you know why? Because when I look at the floor, I'm six feet away. When she looks at the floor... She's like right here. She's up close. So she sees the things that we don't see. But there's a good principle out of this. Is some of you, if you're not into Jesus, if you don't believe this, if your hope is not in him, is it possible, not be, the reason's not because Jesus isn't true, but because you're not close enough, that you really haven't made a careful search of the Lord? that you haven't made the full trip, that you haven't taken your questions about God and examined what God's word has to say. Not what other people has to say, not what TikTokers or YouTubers have to say, but what God's word have to say. Have you not gone the full way of actually coming to church and to a Bible study to hear the word of the God or to come to the pastor or Christians you know and say, I struggle with this. I pray that you'll get closer tonight, that you will make a careful search of the Lord. So that all the things you see me talk about and the things that you see us sing about, they'll become true in your heart. That you will fall at the feet of the king and worship him in joy. The one who is the first and the last, the alpha and the omega. The one who is the great I am.